What's up, everybody? A shout out to those of you who are watching us from our San Jose campus, especially to those of you for whom this may be your first or second time hanging with us. God bless you. A shout out to all the rest of you who are watching us on, on various platforms across uh, the country and across the world vis-a-vis -vis social media. I am so psyched to be back from vacation. It was a blast. I had a chance to visit a lot of family and friends and former partners of NBCC up and down the East Coast. Uh, just to stop in and just to say thank you. You know, it's, it, it, every now and then we should just show up and just say thank you. Can somebody say thank you? Praise God. But I also, while I was away, I was so blessed by our ministers and pastors who did a fantastic job of teaching the God Who Sees series. And if you did not get a chance to see that series, I want to encourage you, please go to our website. It's going to bless you my goodness, it's going to bless your soul. I guarantee it. All right, uh, let's get ready uh, for our scripture uh, today. Uh, today, I want to talk about this uh, title, God Unsettled Me. I'll tell you what that's all about in just a few moments. God, pour out your blessings. Bless this teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 11. There are about five verses here that are unique, and you flip the page to chapter 12. The other side of the story unfolds as well. So just check it out. Just engage with me as I read through this. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, uh, his son's Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, which happened to be Haran's son, and moved away from Ur of Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Then flip the page to chapter 12. The Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, all of their possessions, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. There ends the reading. Can you just simply say, and they arrived there? Praise God. Today I want to introduce you to a brand new prayer. Every now and then during uh, my uh, season of teaching, I like to introduce a new prayer that you can incorporate in your spiritual journey. Today, I'd like to introduce a prayer that some people might refer to as a dangerous prayer. As for me, I refer to this prayer as a growth-oriented prayer. Here it is. God unsettle me. Can you just simply say that with me? Say, God unsettle me. That's the prayer that I want to suggest. You know, for all of us need to hear God say to us as we move literally into a brand new season, the fall season, that God is calling all of us to move to the next level of living in our lives. Can you simply say next level? Yeah. He's saying to those of us who are students that we need to move to the next level of studying, to those of us who are engaged in various relationships, that this is the season to move to the next level as it relates to our relationship with our kids, our, 
our grandkids or our siblings or our best friends or significant others. He's saying to those of us who uh, have been sitting on that book that needs to be written or that small business that needs to be launched, that this is the season to move to the next level. But before you can begin to do what I call next level living, you've got to have next level thinking. And in order to have next level thinking, for those of us who are believers, we need to be able to do next level praying. God, unsettle me. Uh, a few weeks ago, while I was still on vacation, I called a friend of mine, a dearly beloved friend. Uh, he has two workplaces. The second workplace that I'm going to talk about in a few moments is not really the center of his uh, income, but it is the place that he gets a great deal of joy and fulfillment. And when I was talking to him, he was telling me that uh, about his daughter that's kind of trapped in this kind of abusive relationship with her husband, and she had called for her parents to come pick her up, and he was hoping that this particular time it would stick. She wouldn't return. And then I asked him, well, how are you doing at this workplace that we had talked about a year earlier? He had told me that uh, his boss, the person he reported to, was really kind of a toxic figure, was very abusive to the employees, et cetera, et cetera. I had given him some really good advice, and at the end of the day, told him that if this advice doesn't work, you've just got to exit. You've got to get out of that situation, especially since it's not the center of his income. So I said, hey, man, how's it going? He says, well, it's... It's going the same, basically, as it has always been. And I said to him, and you still there? He paused a moment. I said, dude, check it out. You know, you're replicating the pattern that you see in your daughter's life. In the end, both of you have settled to be in dysfunctional relationships. She's settled to be in a dysfunctional relationship with her Husband, and you've settled to be in a dysfunctional relationship with this space of work and your boss. You guys have, have settled essentially in the same place. And then uh, he was shocked at <laughs> that revelation. And I immediately remember this passage that I'm going to teach to you today. And I essentially said to him, hey, man, hey, dude, you know, you got to start. You, you, you know, God is saying it's time for you to move to the next level. God is, it wants to give you a next level prayer so it can begin to shape your next level thinking. Can you begin to pray simply, God, unsettle me. You see, God's got to unsettle you before he can unsettle your daughter. God, unsettle me. Next level praying, next level thinking. That's what this wonderful passage of Scripture that we've just finished reading is really all about. It's somewhat obscure. It's about five verses at the very end of Genesis. We know a lot about Abraham. We know very little about Terah. And yet in these final five verses, this fellow Terah has a lot to teach us when it comes to why we need to pray, God, unsettle me as we think about moving to the next level in a brand new season. And here's a couple of points. First of all, in verse 27, here's the first thing we learn. That Terah is the father and grandfather of four noteworthy individuals. Uh, the first one is his son, Abram. Abram's name will be changed to Abraham. He'll be known as the father of Judaism. The second son is Nahar. The third son is Haran. And Haran is going to have a son by the name of Lot. Lot's is Terah's 
grandson. Noteworthy figures. In verse 28, we learn that Haran, uh, Terah's adult son, dies. Terah has to do what is the worst thing that any parent, the most horrendous thing that any parent can do, and that is to bury a child. And in his case, he had to bury an adult child. And then in verse 31b, we, uh, verse 31, we discover that uh, without a particular, we don't know what it was, but he was prompted to leave Ur and to go to Canaan. And so he gathers all his family and his wealth and so forth, and the text tells us that he heads towards Canaan. But then something unique happens on his way to Canaan. The text says that he stops in a place called Haran, named the same name as his son that, he has, that had passed away. I'll return to this a little later in the message. And so perhaps he stopped because he needed to rest, he needed to renew, maybe just needed to repair uh, some things that needed to repair. But here's what's interesting. His stopping turned into his settling. The text says that at the end of the day, not only did he stop in Haran, he settled there. Wow. And then the next verse teaches us at the end of the day. uh, Oh, by the way, let me just make this point. To settle is to make one's home permanent where you are. My friend had settled in that dysfunctional relationship in that workspace that he's at. Tara settled in Haran. What or where have you settled in your life? Now, the last verse is not only intriguing, it's tragic. The text simply says that Tara, Tara died in Haran the place where he settled. So here's what God wants us to hear today. Number one, we need to know where we've settled. And number two, please don't die where you have settled. If somebody is sitting next to you in our San Jose campus, just tell them, don't die where you've settled. If you're watching us and you can type in the chat, just type, don't die where you have settled. Come on, just say it out loud. Don't die where you have settled. Well, let me ask the question. Where are some of the places that we tend to settle in our lives? It gets us off track. That's a great question. I love how you ask your questions. Praise God. Well, check it out. Sometimes we settle in, and I'm just going to name a few. There's a lot more, but I'm just going to name a few. Sometimes we settle in the pursuit of other gods rather than the God. Uh, Here's what we learn. As Joshua writes about Terah in Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, he's talking to a, 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 a succeeding generation about Terah. Here's what Joshua said. Uh, the text says, Joshua said to the people, Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. My question is to you today, is it possible that you're worshiping, pursuing other gods. Now, you know what that looks like. It simply means when we take what are normally wonderful things and we make it the ultimate reality of our lives, that we look to that thing as the, as the place where we get our 
uh, our definition and our identity and our sense of value from. We, 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 we are willing to sacrifice everything for that thing. It is the, it is the object of the, the bulk of our love. It's a thing that we adore, we worship in a sense. It could be anything, right? Anything that once it gets to that level. There's a whole long list that we could think about. You know, our pursuit of wealth or power or sex, our pursuit of lovers or good looks. You know, we can take certain politicians and deify them, put them in that particular place. Right? Who are you pursuing? We can do that for our children and our grandchildren. We can even do that as it relates to our dreams. That, 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 that thing that we're willing to sacrifice everything for. And for some of us, we've settled in this kind of pursuit. And so the message for you today is to begin to pray the prayer, God, unsettle me. Sometimes we settle in the place of old hurts and woundedness. Somebody's listening to me. You have had a broken heart in your history, and because of your broken heart, you now have a closed heart. You refuse to love again. Perhaps somebody's listening to me. You've experienced church hurt, and so you're watching me on your iPhone, or you're watching me on YouTube, and you say, this is as close as I'm going to ever get to another congregation forever. I'm never going to allow myself to connect with community, to serve, to give. I don't want to open myself up to another possibility of pain. You've settled in the place of old hurts, old woundedness. God unsettled me. For some of us, it comes in the form of grief. You know, I want you to notice the text. It says that Terah lived for 205 years and he died there in Haran. How is it possible that, that the place where he, he found on his journey had the same name as the son that he buried, that he left behind in Ur of Chaldean? Well, scholars have kind of debated this, and there's no real clear answer. Here's my speculation after doing a little research. I suspect that Terah was extremely wealthy, and he came upon this little village or this little town, and because of his wealth and what he could promise them, he convinced them to rename the little town after his son that had died as a memorial. And there terror settled in the place of his grief. You know, I was traveling, uh, as I told you, uh, for vacation, and I stopped by the house of, of uh, two former partners of NBCC, amazing people. They lost their daughter when she was about 10 years old. They had to do a lot of work to work through grief. It's hard to work through our grief of losses that are so deep like that. It takes a year or two to, to really work through the anger and the confusion and all of that. It's helpful to have grief groups and therapists and people that we can really cry with and process with. But what they refused to do, that they refused to settle in that place of grief. They refused to die in the place of grief. Some folk, perhaps, are listening to me, have concluded the laws have been so great, some people just stop 
living. They settle in the place of grief. But what was fascinating to me about this couple is that they have a beautiful home on the East Coast and, and that they have, they have worked uh, the story of their family uh, as a theme throughout how they have organized their home. And they have integrated their daughter, who is a part of their story, just right alongside everyone else. And that's how we're supposed to work with our grief, right? We're supposed to work it through and process it. And the fact is, we never get over our losses. We don't want to settle that. We want to be able to move forward and carry our losses with us, reintegrated in healthy ways back into our lives, because these individuals are part of our story. They are part of previous chapters that we have lived, and they should be inspiration for how we keep on living as we move forward. It was fascinating that when you went to the room where they had their, the toys of their grandkids, they also had some of the toys of the daughters they lost. We went to another room where there was all kind of art and stuff on the wall. They had some of her art. And this, as you moved through the house, you just saw that it had just, you know, she, she wasn't larger than anybody else. She wasn't smaller than anybody else. They, they had just wonderfully integrated her. And it reflected how they had integrated her, how she remains a living part of their story. Even though they know that absent from the body is present with the Lord. They refuse to settle in their grief. Someone, perhaps, settling in your grief need to simply begin to pray, God, unsettle me. And sometimes we settle in the pleasures of comfort and convenience. I want you to lean in here and listen. That We, 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 we refuse to take that risk and to reach for that next level because we have been seduced. We have been seduced by the comfort and the convenience that surrounds us. Now think about, think about the terror. Hey, he was just stopping off here in Haran. But then after a while, he builds a house, he sets down roots, and he's comfortable, he's convenient, he's his wealth, he's got his kids, his livestock is well taken care of. If he had decided, you know what, I'm going to get up and just I'm gonna move forward because I'm supposed to be going to Canaan, that meant that he would have to get back on the dusty desert-filled roads, that he would have to deal with scorching heat. He'd have to walk through sandstones. Come on out. He'd have to worry about whether or not he could find place to water his livestock. Now, lots of hard work and sweat and pain and difficulty. Has to set up a tent every night and tear that tent down every morning. Just difficulty day in and day out and day in and day out. And when Tara thought about it, he said, mm, I'm okay. I'm cool. I, I don't want to leave my convenience I don't, and my comfort. And what Terah did not realize is that, is that the destination that God has for you is always worth the cost of the journey. Wow. Now, here's a subtle point that I need you to get. Just because God has a destiny for your life is not a guarantee that you will live out that destiny. Because you have something to say about it. God had called them. I believe that God was the one who called them to go to Canaan. But Terah said, nah, I'm all right. I'm cool. I'm, this is convenient. And so he chose a substandard destination. Come on now. And he missed out, I believe, on what God had. You know, Canaan is that ultimate place of 
called the promised land, the place of fruitfulness. It's the place where the nation of Israel will be transformed from slaves into one, to a grand and great next nation. It is a wonderful representation of this notion of next level living. Here's another way to think about it. Here's, here's, here's my consideration. Here's what I offer for your consideration. Here's how I think about it. I think that it's very possible that whatever it was that prompted Terah to leave Ur Akkadiz, his homeland, and to head towards Canaan, it was ultimately the same divine voice of God that would later speak to Abram. You see, Abram at the age of 75 years old was living at the place where his father had settled. Abram's wife, Sarah, was living in the place where his father had settled. And had he stayed there, Abram's children would have been born in the place where Terah, the father, had settled. But Abram heard a voice that, that invited him to get up that invited him to disrupt the comfortable patterns of his life. And then to him, uh, God declares this. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. And he goes on to say a little later, and all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Can you imagine, kids? This is amazing. Now, now here's what I want you to think about. Is it possible? Come on now that the destiny that Abram walked into was originally meant to be Terah's destiny. Come on now, that the next level that Abram walked into was originally meant for Terah. But because Terah said, ah, it's all right. That God had to move to the next generation. I'm going to just tell you, I want my children to have everything possible that God has for them, but I don't want them to have Come on, I, I don't want my children to have what God intended for me. I want all that God has for me. And look what Terah perhaps gave up on. He was like, hey, man, I'm cool. My family is all right. We all kind of chilled out here. Come on. And yet, at the end of it all, his name will be relegated to about five verses at the end of the chapter. He did not know that there was a next level for him, perhaps. Come on now, where, that, that, that he would be blessed, that, 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 he would be, that, that he would be the source of a great nation that would be a redeeming community inside of the history of folk, that his life would be a blessing not just to his family, but to all of the families of the world. Look at the generational impact that he missed. Come on now, look at the, at the, at the, at the global uh, 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 impact of his life, all the miss, the historical impact, all missed because he just wanted the comfort and convenience where he was. Wow. You know what he liked? Curiosity. You know, if you've been around for a while, you know one of my favorite players is Steph Curry. And one of the things that's fascinating over the last several years about commentaries, people watching him, is that each year he just keeps getting better and better. And he, although he's getting older and older, 
And I ask him, how is this possible? What is it? How is it your statistic continues to exceed last year's statistic? And he essentially says to them, well, you know, I just keep taking my, I keep working on taking my game, watch this, to the next level. Doesn't matter how successful you are. Come on. Uh, uh, the, the, the call for you is to keep working on your game going to the next level. And, and, and part, I believe, of the secret to Stephen Curry is that Stephen Curry has a robust curiosity. You see, he, he refuses to settle in what he has earned. He's curious. He's thinking, you know what? I've got four NBA championships, but I'm curious. Is it possible that there's another one? I, I've got two MVP, but, but I'm curious, is it possible that there is another? And Steph Curry knows that the moment he settles, come on now, that is the beginning of his decay and his decline. So he leans into his curiosity. I wonder what God has for me. I wonder, is there more? I wonder, is there greater? Come on, let me, let me, let me do some next level thinking and some next level praying. God, don't let me Unsettle me. Somebody needs to hear this prayer. And because Abram had some curiosity about the land of Canaan, come on, about next level living, his kids were not born in the place where Terah, Abram's daddy, had settled. You see, you can have generational impact. Not, I'm not talking about being written up in the papers and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. Just following the plan that God has for your life. Come on now, where you go, come on now. If you go where you go, there's a greater possibility that your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids will end up where they need to. But some of you watching me are just saying, well, you know, I'm just tired. Abram was 75 years old, y'all, and he had enough dream power and curiosity to break out of where his daddy has settled. What about you? At 75, at 70, at 80. God has more for you, your kids and your grandkids. But could it all begin with you praying, God, unsettle me? All right, here's the question. How might God unsettle me? Let me offer two things as we wrap this up. Number one, I want to suggest that you pray, God unsettle me, begin to pray that on a daily basis, and two, listen for God's voice, listen for the voice of disruption. You see, notice the text. The text says in chapter 12, verse 1, that the Lord had said to Abram, the suggestion of the text as I read it is that the Lord had been talking to Abram for quite some time. But at some point, come on now, Abram decided I'm going to listen and I'm going to engage it. And I was talking to my friend about his situation in his workspace. I said to him, so what you going to do? I pointed out the pattern that he was in that he had settled. He should start praying God unsettled. He should think about next Next level thinking, next level living, next level praying, talking about this text. And he says, you, you know, you're right. He says, you know, I've just been praying and I've been waiting to hear what God's going to say about whether I should leave or stay. I said, dude, I said, when I talked to you a year ago, told you that if X, A, B, and C didn't work, that you needed to get out of there. That was God talking to you through me. And every time you remembered the conversation that I had over the last several months, that was God, come on now, a disruptive whisper 
talking to you. Then God had already talked to you. But you've got to decide to obey the disruptive whisper. Abram made the decision that he was going to leave the familiar. He was going to leave the easy. He was going to strike out in faith. The second thing that you need to do to position yourself to be unsettled by God is you've got to be willing to activate your curiosity. Somebody shout curiosity. All right, two weeks from now, I'm going to kick off a new series called The Gift of Curiosity. You don't want to miss it. Now, I know even as I say this, I can hear somebody thinking, well, didn't curiosity kill the cat? Well, maybe curiosity did kill the cat. <laughs> but it is also true that the power of curiosity is what enabled humanity to discover fire and electricity and life-changing medication. You see, curiosity is a gift that God gives us, and we can either use it, come on now, to move into mischievousness, or we can use it to move into deeper meaning in our lives. You get to choose, but curiosity is a gift from God. Are there some things that you're curious about? As we look at all of the craziness that's happening in the world, as we look at uh, the horrendous fire that broke out in an unprecedented way in Maui. We look at the remarkable lives that were lost and the children and the adult lives that was lost. Uh, are there some things that you are curious about? I mean, let me just ask you. You ever ask the question, is this what God intended or not? It seems like one big struggle, COVID, homelessness, and many of us are barely getting by. I see people every day, but it's hard to connect, hard to build a sense of community. But it hasn't always been this way. Where's God in all of this? Is this what God intended? Are you curious? Have you ever wondered why won't God intervene? When did it all go awry? We become so polarized, at each other's throats. There's no middle ground. We become so mean and hateful. Why is this happening? If God's supposed to be about peace and love, well, where is God? Why doesn't God step in? Are you curious? Do you wonder? I want to, as I close this message out, I want to challenge you, everybody that's sitting in a, a theater chair in the San Jose campus, I want to challenge you, even if you just showed up today for the first time, I want to challenge you watching me on mobile devices across the country and the world. I want to challenge you to join us in our Explore God campaign that we're going to kick off at the beginning of October because here's, here's the point. We all got some curious questions. And my faith in Jesus is deep. As a matter of fact, it's deep enough to allow me to ask questions, to be curious. And none of us have all of the answers. So I'm going to challenge you in the weeks to come. We're going to talk more about it to, to stay engaged. I'm going to challenge you, whether you're a longtime Christian, whether you're a, a marginal Christian. You may not even be a Christian at all. I'm going to challenge you to reach out 
to, come on, agree to facilitate, host what we call an Explore God discussion group. For seven weeks, we're going to work through seven different questions. We'll talk about it in the weeks to come. Invite you to reach out to people you know, family and friends and folks you work with and say, hey, hang out with me. Let's, let's process some of these questions that flow up out of our spaces of unanswered questions and even some of us out of our spaces of doubt because in order to have faith, you got to also work through doubt. And then encourage them to meet in a library or in a living room or in a coffee shop and, and we'll provide all this, the information for you. We'll, we'll tell you more about that as we move forward and, and how to do it. It's going to be an easy lift for you and as y'all process and discuss and be honest and continue to remind yourself that nobody has all of the answers and then we, we want them to come and I'm going to talk about uh, the answers to these questions from a Christian standpoint, but you know what? At the end of the day, uh, your friends and family may accept it or they may not accept it. I can promise you they will be incomplete and not totally satisfying. I'm going to talk to you about why that's important uh, in, the, in the series to come, so you want to make sure you're back in definitely a couple of weeks from now why it's important that, that we recognize the answers will be incomplete and not fully satisfying that keeps us searching but here's what I know, that as we walk through the doors of our questions, that sets us up for a next level experience with God. And while all of our questions will not be answered, good God Almighty, we will end up with a deeper experience of the living God. You know, God, God works in the details in our lives in ways he keeps trying to cultivate our curiosity. He wants us to ask the right questions. Come on, don't you hear him in Jeremiah 33, 3 saying, call to me and I will answer you and tell you of great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Did you not hear Jesus cultivating our, our need to ask questions when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of, of his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Notice the word seek. Somebody shout seek. That begins with raising questions and inquiring and asking where is God and what is God doing and how does God have me in his plan and is there a God? Let's have an honest dialogue. And he says that opens the door to next level living, next level impact, next level I like the way the story ends in Genesis 12. Notice what it says. It says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. Departed where? He left Haran. He left where his father had settled. Come on now. And he took Lot, his nephew, with him. And Abram was 75 years old. Come on. He, he just started to live at 75. Some senior needs to listen to me now. When he left the place where his father had settled. And then the final verse says this. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and all of their possessions that he had accumulated. Watch this. And they set out for the land of Canaan, the same place that Terah had set out but had stopped and settled. But watch what it says about Abram. They set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived 
there. Somebody shout there. Oh, praise God. That's, what that, that's the journey that I want to invite you on to join with me in our time of pursuing robust curiosity to, dis, to discern and to encounter and engage God. Listen, listen, listen. That is the doorway to next level living. That's the doorway and pathway to a deeper experience of God. There, there we can arrive. Abraham didn't have all his questions answered, but he had a deeper experience of God. Abraham didn't know all of the answers to the, to the challenges of the universe. Come on. But he was clearer on his purpose because he arrived Come go with me. Let's go there. Next level faith. Next level living. Next level. Amen. And amen.